This aspirant becomes fit for becoming Brahman, meaning he becomes fit for discovering the fact that I am Brahman. <coughs> and so, in a certain kind of a mind, this discovery takes place, where whatever notions I am entertaining about myself, they drop off, and this fact about myself that I am Brahman just becomes evident. <coughs> And therefore, Lord Krishna described that mind in all these three verses, buddhya vishuddhya yuktaha, endowed with a mind which is vishuddha, free from vajas and tamas, free from impurities. <coughs> Dhritya atmanam yamyacha, and also one who has mastered the atma, the self, that is the mind-body complex. Shabdadin vishyam staktva, one who has given up the the sense objects of pleasure, who doesn't need it? Which means one does not need any pleasure from the sense objects, having discovered that satisfaction from one's own self and therefore become, have become free from need to seek the pleasure from the sense objects. Ragadvesho yudasyacha And with whatever few possessions one has for maintenance of body, with reference to that also, there are no raga and dvesha, meaning there is no attachment even with reference to few things that he possesses for maintaining the body. Vivekta Sevi, the one who resorts to solitude, Laghvashi, eating sparingly, Yatavak Kaya Manasaha, one 
who's, who has control over the speech, body and the mind. Dhyana Yoga Paraha, one who is committed to this Dhyana Yoga, Yoga of contemplation. So, Atma Swarupa Chintaram. What is Dhyanam? Atma Swarupa Chintaram. Deliberating or dwelling upon my true nature. What's the true nature of myself? A deliberation upon one's own self. <coughs> this meditation is the meditation upon the meditator. So meditation can be said to be of two kinds. One is meditating upon something or someone other than myself. And here, this is meditation upon my own self. So here dhyana means atma swarupa chintanam. With the help of scriptures, chintanam, deliberating upon the true nature of myself, meaning Brahman, that I am Brahman. So chintanam, deliberation or dwelling upon this fact. <coughs> and dhyana yoga paraha, committed to this kind of a contemplation about oneself, and the commitment can come when there is a joy arising out of it. Then alone the commitment can come. That means one enjoys the fact of deliberating, enjoys this process of deliberating upon one's own self that I am Brahman. <coughs> because the mind is clear and therefore that I am Brahman, that fact also becomes clear in that mind and therefore deliberating upon that is a matter of great joy. Vairagyam samupasitaha possessed of dispassion and objectivity of the mind. The one that is able to separate the self from the non-self. We said in the morning the person and the personality, the self and the non-self. <coughs> Also, other terms we can use, the, the essential and the incidental. So, for example, for this part, the essential about this part is the clay. The incidental is its form in the name. That it's a part having a certain form is the incidental aspect of this object, whereas that it is clay is the essential thing. And therefore, if the part falls from my hand and breaks, it will get a new form and a new name. And still, so that which is incidental is subject to certain incident, whereas that which is essential is independent of anything. And therefore, regardless of what changes take place in the form and the name, that it is clay, that fact will never change. So similarly about you, you and I also, that is something incidental and something essential. This personality is incidental. That I possess certain body, I have certain sense organs, mind, complex, that I have this personality which is meant for performing certain functions. That body is my dwelling place and the sense organs are given to me, sense organs of perception are given to me for perceiving the objects of the world. Sense organs of actions are given for me to respond to the world. My mind is given to perceive, to feel, the intellect is given to think, to know. And that I possess this personality which is very useful. But still it is the incidental aspect of me because I could very well have a different personality also. Maybe in the next embodiment my personality could be quite different. But I, the, the essential, is ever the same. So in this Atma and Anatma, self and non-self, or person and personality, we may say that the personality is something that is incidental. In case of actor and the beggar, the beggar is an incidental thing. He may become a king also, he may become a minister also. But that is actor, that person is the essential, the essence of the essential part of it. So essential and incidental. Incidental is not very important. It is useful, required, but not important. What is important is essential. And therefore, 
what shape this part is, is all right. As far as the usefulness is concerned, we may have some, some, you know, some, some importance about it, but basically that it is clear is what is important about this part. And so also, what is essentially, what am I? And regardless of what changes take place in the name and form, the essential thing never changes. And similarly also, various changes taking place in my own self and still there is something that doesn't change. That now I am happy, then I am unhappy. Now I am a speaker, then I am a listener. And this, that I, the form of the I keeps on changing. While the form of the I keeps on changing, there is something about the I that does not change. And what is that? Asti, Bhati, Priyam. That I am never changes. That I am conscious never changes. And that I am always the source of, I am always the locus of my love never changes. And that I am Sat, Chit, Ananda. That fact about me does not change. This identifying with the essential. Shifting the focus from the incidental to the essential. This is what we will do in our life. That's all. Everywhere. Shifting the focus from incidental to the essential. That I have this personality is fine. But regardless of what the personality is, that I must be Bhati Priyam. Sat, Chit, Ananda. This is the non-negatable fact about myself that I am under any conditions. I cannot say that I am always happy or I am unhappy, whatever. That keeps changing. But that I am and that I am conscious. So asti, bhati, that never changes about me. And that is the essential aspect of me. It's the essential nature of me. <coughs> so contemplating upon that. Atma swarupa chintanam. What is swarupa? What's the nature of the atma? Asti, bhati, priyam. That I am asti, bhati, priyam. That I am satchit ananda. That I am brahma. That is the true nature of myself. That's the essence of myself. And thus, all the time fixing attention on that. And we require dhyanam meditation as long as this has not become natural or effortless. Because the focus so far has been so much on the personality. On account of identification of that personality, all the time I judge and evaluated myself from the basis of personality and that has become, you know, so habitual that I have to make an effort to shift my attention from the personality to the person. That is why dhyanam is necessary, why should it be necessary? Why should I have to meditate on myself? But I have to meditate on myself for what? In order to drop or let go what I am not. So all along Vedantic teaching or Vedantic learning is a process of de-identification with what I am not and establishing identification with what I am. <clears throat> so dhyana yoga paraha and thus one who is committed to and other things are incidental again, you know. So this is the in, in these three verses, all this is the essential thing. For being able to do that, various other conditions are described which are very helpful. That you do this in a solid, in a place of solitude, it helps. That you don't keep any possessions with you, it helps. That you eat sparingly, that helps. That you do not change sense of pleasure, sense of it, it all of these are the factors in fact that make, that helps and creates conducive conditions for me to be able to dwell upon myself. But primarily, dwelling upon myself. That is going on in Shravanam, Mananam, Nirjhasana, all of them. Shravanam, when I am listening to a teacher, the only subject matter is I. 
as I said, on the very essential, on the very first day, the teacher starts saying that you are Brahman. And after any number of years of study also, that fact remains that you are Brahman. That is all that is being said in different ways. That's all. Still we never get bored. That's a good thing about it. Otherwise, listening the same way again and again you can get bored. But there is one thing that I always love to listen to and that is about myself. Who does not like to be told that you are Brahman, that you are, you are infinite, you are limitless, you are complete, you are whole, you are Brahman, you are beautiful. Who doesn't like to listen to that? And this is the only place where we listen, this, we get to listen to this. Elsewhere we listen about, we hear other things about ourselves, you know. You are this and you are that. Elsewhere this is what we hear. This is one place where we hear this, you are not that. You are Brahman. You are all right. And this is, and therefore, you always enjoy. And that's a, that's a fact about ourselves. <coughs> and therefore, even while Shravan, Shravanam, all listening to the scriptures, this is going on. While Mananam, reflecting upon that, this is going on. And what we call Nididhyasanam. Nididhyasanam meaning the deep contemplation upon myself. What we do then, is what happens during Sharanam or listening. So when we are listening to the teacher, all these conditions automatically get satisfied. That my mind is, and it enjoys a focus, only because of the setup between the teacher and the student. If the right kind of relationship is established between the teacher and the student, where the student has a love and devotion and the trust, and the teacher has a kindness and compassion and patience, if this is there, then there is a tuning up between the teacher and the student and therefore the student's mind becomes free from other preoccupations, other things automatically. At that time therefore everybody becomes a sannyasi. So I, when Shravanam, listening is really taking place as it is meant to take place, then our mind is free from every other thing. At that time we enjoy a state of mind which is called sannyasa. And that's the right state of mind to listen to Vedanta. And what we do in Nididhyasana meditation is create the condition that happens automatically in Shravanam. So what takes place during listening is what I create at the time of Nididhyasana meditation. And that is why all these different conditions are told that you must resort to a place of solitude which is free from other external disturbances. Don't keep unnecessary things with you. Keep that which you require minimum for maintenance of your body. And for that also don't hang on to that. Don't have any attachment or aversion even for those things also. All these instructions are given in order to make this task is easy. And so to help this task. <coughs> but important thing is, so that in sixth chapter also Lord Krishna said, Yogi Yunji Tasaradam Atmanam Rahasisthitaha in some different words, Lord Krishna said, Yogi Junjita Sardam Atmanam. This yogi, the aspirant, should all the time focus his mind upon the self. Rasisthitaha, dwelling in a place of solitude. Ekaki, being by himself or herself, not, in a, not, not with friends in circle, by himself, herself. Nirashi, with his mind free from any kind of an expectation, even from this meditation. So this is a meditation of owning up what is already there and therefore 
there is no expectation of achieving anything new. Aparigraha, having no possessions. Yet chittatma, which we control over one's body and the mind. Similar conditions were told in the sixth chapter also. Ahankaram, balam, darpam, kamam, krodham, parigraham, vimucha. Giving up this ego. Ego means uh, this unnecessary pride. Balam. And balam means that force that comes because of the anger and because of the lust and anger. Give, give, that, give that up. Darpam. Darpam means this vainfulness or vanity. Kamam. Desire. Krodham. Anger. Parigraham. Possession. Giving up all of this. And nirmamaha. With whatever little is left with you, there also there is no sense of ownership. Shantaha, and thus mind becomes shantam, mind becomes quiet, mind becomes tranquil, because all the various things that create disturbance in the mind, they are all given up. Ahankara creates that, and vanity also creates, desire also creates, anger also creates, possession also creates some anxiety. Possession also creates some anxiety. You know the, the famous story of this one sadhu, having all he, all he had was a loincloth, you know. It's a very famous story, you must have heard. A sadhu with a loincloth, you know. And so, kaupinam it is called in Sanskrit, kaupinam, that's all. He had a, a few pairs of kaupinam, that's all he used to wear in his hut. And it seems that some mice started coming, you know, and started cutting holes in that kaupinam. So this poor sadhu did not know what to do, so every day he would go to the nearby village for his bhiksha. And so the lady who always used to give him bhiksha asked, what's the matter, Mahatmaji, I mean, can I do something for you? Then he says, well, this is what has happened, that I have some mice are coming at night and cutting up my kaupiram, my loincloth. And so that lady said, no problem, we can deal with that, I'll give you a cat. Just have a cat with you and therefore the mice will run away. And so she was so kind, she gave him a cat. He brought a cat. Suddenly that mice, you know, went away. But then what to do with the cat? You will feed the cat. And so cat gets hungry and so require milk. And now this, this poor sadhu, apart from his own bhiksha, also had to get milk, you know. So this went on for some time and again that lady, uh, he had a conversation with her and he told her what was happening. She said, don't worry Mahatma. She must be really a very devoted woman, you know. She said, don't worry, I'll give you a cow. <laughs> so you can have milk, which you can feed to the cat to make sure that the mice don't come. And so a cow was sent. Except that now, this Mahatma you had to wake up in the morning, take the cow to the forest for grazing, you know, and therefore, you get, you have to pay the price for everything that you get. He got fed up with that. Again that lady said, what's the matter? He says, this is the matter now. Then now there is this cow which is nice thing to have, but it takes so much of my time. And cows are not easy things. I guess, you know, you must know how to do these things. And so, he says, don't worry, I'll send you a maid servant. You know, she'll take care of the cow, and from the cow the cat will get the milk, and then the, the mice will be not there, and your copinum, your loincloth will be safe. This Mahatmaji used to have a disciple, you know, also now and then. So uh, anyway, uh, visiting disciples. So one day uh, he 
disciple says, Mahatmaji, I'm going away for a long yatra, for pilgrimage. Okay. That man returned after some twelve years. And he said, let me see uh, what has happened to my guru, you know. And so he went to the same spot and didn't find that hut. And so what he found was a big house actually. And then he went into the house and then in the veranda behind there was all this, this uh, what do you call it, the, uh, the swing, you know, yeah, you know, in which he was sitting. And there were two, three children also there, one on his shoulder and one on his lap and this and that. And so he could recognize this person. Then looking closely, then he recognized that, hey, this is my, that, that is the same Guruji, the same Sadhu, you know. He had, so what happened? Says, Kaupinasam Rakshanarsam, Ayam Patatopaha. It is for protecting my Kaupinam, protecting this loin cloth, that all this thing has happened, you know. <laughs> so this is, when you have some possession, then also it causes some anxiety. The idea is that, in order to be able to dwell upon the self, the mind must be free from every anxiety. And therefore Lord Krishna says, so, parigraham, ar mamat nirmamaha. Give this sense of possession with reference to anything. <coughs> Shantaha, then mind becomes completely tranquil. Brahma bhuyaya kalpade. Of course we understand here that he is the discipline of shravanam, listening to scriptures. Also mananam, reflection upon what he has listened to. And therefore, the knowledge is very clear to him. Brahma Bhuvaya Kalpade with Nididhyasana, with assimilation of that knowledge, when the habitual error goes, ultimately he owns up his status of being Brahma. He becomes fit to become Brahma, meaning that he owns up the status of being Brahman. So far there was a self-disowning and now there is a self-owning. <coughs> Then again a question asks, so what do you mean by he becomes Brahman? Lord Krishna continues the description, next verse. Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Nashochati Nakangshati Nashochati Nakangshati Samasarveshu Bhuteshu Samasarveshu bhūteshu madbhaktim labhate param madbhaktim labhate param Brahma bhūtaha, one who has become Brahman. Prasannātmā, and therefore one whose mind is prasannam, mind is placid, mind is satisfied, mind is cheerful. <coughs> So this becoming Brahman now, we can imagine that in two stages. So knowledge is said to be twofold, one is paroksham, other is aparoksham. First there is what we call an indirect knowledge, a general understanding that yes, I am Brahman, and ultimately when that becomes a reality to me. So in the beginning, that I am Brahman is a possibility, and then that I am Brahman is a reality. And thus, what means a possibility, this is called paroksha jnanam, an indirect knowledge. That yes, it is reasonable, logical. I can understand that yes, I am Brahman. Because if Brahman is limitless, limitless cannot be apart from me, and that what I am seeking in my life is limitless. Because any amount of limited things have not satisfied me, and therefore, if I analyze what it is that I am seeking, I recognize that yes, I am seeking the limitless. 
And limitless is nowhere to be found because whatever there is in the creation is limited. And therefore only one thing can be limitless and that is I. And thus when proper reasoning process is applied, then it makes sense that yes, limitless I should be. And that everything is Brahman ultimately. If I am I, who appears to be limited, is in essence limitless, then whatever is that appears to be limited also is limitless. And therefore limitless can be one, it cannot be many. If I am limitless, everybody else is limitless, there cannot be many limitless and therefore limitless has to be one. Meaning that the one that is limitless only appears as many and limited. All of these things become clear, then this all becomes a possibility for me. And through Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam, then it becomes a reality for me. <coughs> so Brahma Bhutaha, Prasannatma. So one who has this to begin with, the Parokshadhyanam, indirect knowledge. Prasannatma. And therefore, one Labdha, Atma, Adhyatma Prasadaha. So one who has gained, see this, even this indirect knowledge also is very releasing, it also creates a great relief to know that what I am, what I am seeking to be. That in fact there is, it is, in fact there is nothing to become or nothing to seek, there is something to know. And therefore the whole process and changes from one of becoming and seeking to one of knowing and owning up. And so, even that itself also is a great relief. <coughs> and this is what you, only when you come to Vedantic teaching, then you recognize that this is praptasya praptahi, attainment of what is already attained. It is, I remember, that that, that provided me a great relief that, okay, there is nothing to achieve, nothing to accomplish, and that everything is all right as it is. This was a tremendous relief. And, with this vivek of the discrimination that in my life what is to be achieved is what is already there, then naturally happens vairagya or dispassion because now I don't look upon something else as a source of happiness or security. Habitually I may, but at least when I am alert then I am not. And thus it brings about a relationship which is what we call vairagya. Prasannatma, <coughs> that vairagya meaning freedom from ragadveshas, and that is what brings to manifestation the happiness which is my own self, Prasannatma. And therefore, he discovers that joy or cheerfulness or satisfaction is one's own self. Or you can say that one who has gone through the discipline of Karma Yoga. And what is Karma Yoga is that every time a Raga Dvesha turns up in my mind, as we say, in place of Raga and Dvesha, attachment and aversion, I, 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 I replace it by a sense of devotion, a sense of offering. And that's how the ragadveshas, my inner impulses, are constantly being subdued. And they are the ones that in fact deny the happiness that myself, I am, I am, and therefore, prasannatma. So, one who has discovered that cheerfulness or placidity from one's own self. Na shochati, na kankshati. Nashochati does not grieve. Nakangshati, he does not long for anything. Nashochati. Nakinchit arthavaikalyam. 
that there is no sense of loss, the loss of something. See, shoka, the grief comes when I lose something that is important to me, and then he's become free from that, there is nothing to be lost. All grief also can come on account of my being an incomplete self, and therefore whenever I find some lack or inadequacy with myself, then also the grief comes. So shoka or the grief comes because of two reasons. Number one, that I lose something, or I am separated from something that is important to me. Or whenever I look at myself, I find that I am an inadequate being, that I am not possessed of adequacy. So this person has become free from the shoka, coming from the, the loss of something, or looking upon oneself as a limited being. Na shochati, na kangshati. At the same time, he is very clear that what I am seeking is my own servant. Therefore, there is no akanksha, there is no expectation from anything else. Becomes free from expectations or demand. <coughs> See, this is what the knowledge does to us. And to the extent that the knowledge is assimilated, to the extent these things happen. Brahma-bhūtaḥ, to the extent that I have assimilated this knowledge, I owned up this knowledge that I am Brahman, to that extent, prasanna-atmā, the mind discovers the placidity, discovers the cheerfulness with oneself. Nasochati becomes free from the grief because there is nothing to lose and I do not evaluate anymore myself based on my personality, but then I evaluate myself from basically what I am, namely Brahman. And all the time the grief comes whenever I judge myself from the standpoint of my personality, which is always limited. And whenever I see myself a limited being, definitely I am unhappy. When I no more judge myself from the standpoint of personality, then there is no question of shoka or grief. And akanksha. Again, when I am inadequate, there is always an expectation from somebody or somewhere to make me adequate. I realize that adequacy is my nature, and therefore I do not look upon anything else to make me feel adequate. This is so important. That is how the Ragadvishas go. That it is praptasya prapti, attainment of what is already attained. And therefore, what is the role of Swamiji? If you are already what you want to be and what you are seeking to be, then what's the role of this world? <coughs> world just is to fulfill my basic needs of maintaining the body, nothing more than that. So this person no more looks upon the objects of the world as source of happiness or source of unhappiness, and therefore, na shochati, na kangshati. <coughs> and that's the reason why it is important that we sit down every day and focus our attention on this fact that I am Brahman, that Brahma I am, limitless I am, I am a full and complete being, I am the very Satchit Ananda, this is a fact about myself, keep reminding. In the beginning, even if I do not see this fact, I can always remind myself of that which I intellectually understand to be right. It is so important that we may, you know, that this fact is kept in focus. And that I bring this fact to bear upon all my vyavahara. So whenever my mind desires my ask mind, who wants this? Who wants this? You are the one person, is a wanting person, beggar. Are you a beggar? Are you really a wanting person? And do you think that there is anything that can really fulfill your want? Is your want a legitimate, it's an illegitimate want, and therefore the illegitimate want cannot be fulfilled by anything. So this fact that I am Brahman, that I am what I am seeking to be, should be as much as possible born to bear upon whatever I do. 
and that's a way to become free from show grief and free from expectations, free from demands, because I can realize that all my demands are all unreasonable, illegitimate. The seeing the illegitimacy of my present frame of mind. Samasarveshu <clears throat> Bhuteshu. The one for whom to whom all the beings are equal. What is meant here is that this person while relating to others always places himself in the position of others. And that is how he responds. If I were in that position, what kind of a behavior or response would I expect? Samaha Sarveshu Bhuteshu. The one who is equal to all the beings. Because I know that Essentially what I am is essentially what everyone is. And therefore, just as happiness is something very dear to me, so also happiness is dear to the others. Just as I do not want unhappiness or pain and thus, others also do not want that. Just as I do not want somebody to make men happy, they also do not want me to make them unhappy. Just as I want others to make me happy, they expect me to make them happy. That's it. And this, samasarvesha bhuteshu, one who brings, you know, who judges everything by his own standard. That is the way I would judge myself or the way I would expect things is what he tries to, that is the way he tries to respond. Sarveshu Bhuteshu. So this is how, this is the Vividisha Sanyas we are talking about, you know. The renunciate who has, now, who has committed himself to pursuit of this knowledge and owning of this knowledge? That's the only priority he has, that's the only agenda he has. The reason why we become a sannyasi is that all other agendas go away. Only one agenda remains and that is seeking the knowledge and gaining abidance in the knowledge. Mat bhaktim lavate param This person ultimately gains mat param bhaktim lavate He gains my highest devotion. <coughs> In devotion also, there is some devotion that is higher than some other devotion. In the seventh chapter, Lord Krishna said, Chaturvidaha bhajante maam janaha sukrita norjana arpro jignyasurartharthi jnani cha bharatashabha. Here, Arjuna, these four kinds of meritorious people. So there are four devotees, my devotees can be classified in these four kinds. Number one, only that person can be my devotee who has earned a lot of merit in their past birth and in this birth. Because then alone this desire to worship the Lord comes. Then alone the devotion for the Lord arises in my heart. And therefore, these meritorious people are my devotees and they can be classified in these four categories. Artaha, Jignasuhu, Artharthi, Jnani. The first category of devotees are those who remember me when they are in great difficulty. Then they forget me also. But when they find that there is no way out, then they remember God. And so many stories are told, that they were watching one play here, you know, play with children, children's play, Draupadi. And so the wife of the Pandavas, and she was in the court of Duryodhana, and then Duryodhana said, unrobe her. And thus she was being unrobed by Dushasana and nobody came to his help for reasons of their own. When Draupadi found that there is no help, there is no there is nobody to help me, then she just she remembered and also from her heart she she called for the Lord. 
Hey Govinda, don't you realize that I'm alone among the, all these Kauravas? Don't you realize that your devotee is in tremendous trouble? How come you don't show up? And then the Lord shows up. Lord shows up in the form of the, the garments. And so that fellow kept on pulling the garments, a new garment kept on coming. This is what is being said. Artaha. So when we find no other way out, then this is first devotee who remembers God to, to help him or, or, or lift him up from difficulties. Artharthi, little higher class of devotee is the one who remembers God whenever he wants something. He makes a deal with the God, no doubt, that okay, I'll give one percent of what all I make, something like that. And some percentage he gives to the Lord. And it's all right, God is very generous. He gives him ninety-nine percent and keeps one percent with him. That's also is okay. Sometimes people forget that also. Sometimes they make a promise to the Lord and then forget. So this man similarly made a promise to the Lord. He was going to give so some big deal coming up, and he promised to Lord Tirupati that I will give you, I will in your hundi, I will deposit ten thousand rupees. If this deal comes through, when he was going to make hundreds of thousands of rupees, when it came through, when he really made a lot of money, but he forgot Tirupati. Except he was devotee of Tirupati. He used to go every year and offer something. And so now he went to, to have darshan of Lord Tirupati, Balaji. And there there is hundi for collecting the money, you know. So that hundi is all, I'm surprised, you know, but it's a huge vessel and you have to in fact put the money this way you know then alone you can deposit your money in this hundi and that's what this man did you know whatever little amount he wanted to put he put there and when he when he when he withdrew his hand he realized that one diamond ring that he was wearing also slipped away <laughs> because he had promised ten thousand rupees and he was forgetting so lord then recovers that also and so he knows how to recover Anyway, the idea is Artharthi one who actually makes a deal with the Lord. That if I get this, then I will give you this. That's the reason why these temples are so rich. Because many of these deities are partners in many businesses. Really. <laughs> really? <clears throat> they get point one percent, some percentage, you know. But they are partners in many businesses. That's a devo- second devotee of second category. Then comes Jignasu, more mature devotee, is the one who wants to know the Lord. So, Jignasu. So, one maturity realizes that what I am seeking in my life is God, and that God is to be known, and therefore Jignasu, most mature devotee, let us say, is Jignasu, the one who wants to know the Lord. And finally, that culminates into Jnani, the one who knows the Lord as his own self. So, mad, param mad bhaktim lahate. Lord Krishna says, this aspirant here attains my highest kind of devotion. Which means that he becomes a jnani. And so, all these are the steps by which one becomes, one discovers a Lord to be one's own self. <coughs> From jignasu, he turns into a jnani. From seeker of knowledge, he turns into the one who has gained the knowledge. <coughs> Oh,
what happens by that bhakti? The Lord Krishna says in the next verse, verse 55, Bhaktya Mama Bhijanati Bhaktya Mama Bhijanati Yavan Yaschasmi Tattvataha Yavan Yaschasmi Tattvataha Tato Mam Tattvato Gnyatva Tato Mam Tattvato Gnyatva Vishate Tadanantaram Vishate Tadanantaram Bhaktya maam abhijanati tattvatah. Through devotion, he knows me in reality. This is very important for Vedanta in some this statement. Bhaktya maam abhijanati. Bhaktya is a word that's in the third case, instrumental case. The third case shows the means. So bhaktya, through the means of bhakti, maam abhijanati, he comes to know me. So bhakti, the devotion becomes a means. And jnanam becomes end. So that is how the bhakti, so what's the relationship between the bhakti and the jnanam? For the Vedantins, the bhakti is the means and jnanam is the end. Bhaktiya, mamahijanati, through devotion he knows me. <coughs> Here bhakti actually that we are talking about, if those who study Viveka Churamani there, it's interesting how Shankaracharya says, Moksha Karana Samagriyam Bhaktireva Gariyasi. Having described Viveka, Vairagya, Samadhi Shatka Sambhati, Mumukshutam, all these preparations for knowledge, having described all these preparations, then Shankaracharya makes a statement that of all the preparation or all the causes contributing to the knowledge, Mokshakana samagram. Samagram means all the various materials that you require. For example, if you want to cook khichdi, you require samagri, you require rice, and you require dal, and then you require water, and then you require, you know, these things you require. So, what is the most important samagri? What's the most important constituent that you require to cook khichdi? In Atma Bodhi says, Pakasya Bhannivad Jnanam, what you require is the fire, is the most important thing, you know. For making soup, forget about khichdi, for making soup you require vegetables, you require spices, you require water, so many things you require. What's the most important thing that you require? Is fire. Similarly, Shankarajara says that, yes, for knowledge you require viveka, discrimination between self and non-self, and then vairagya, the dispassion, samadhi shatka sampati, the six-fold inner wells, mumukshutvam, a keen desire to be liberated, to know, all of this is required. But what is most important? Bhakti Reva Gariyasi. It is devotion that is the most important. What do you mean by devotion? What is the nature of Is there devotion involved in studying Vedanta? Is there devotion in the sannyasi? Because by devotion we always have a picture of a person who is singing, you know, so we always identify or equate devotion with a certain kind of an action. But in fact devotion means a commitment. I'm devoted to something. I'm devoted to my job. I'm devoted to, you know, everybody is devoted to something. Person can be devoted to his family, can be devoted to his business, devoted to his career. And, you know, 
devoted to many such things. So what is meant by devotion is that when I am completely committed to that, whatever I do is done for that sake. So what is meant by devotion to God here? Viveka Chodamani says, Sasvarupana Sandhanam Bhakti Ritya Vidhiyate Anusandhanam. So all the time deliberating upon my own nature is called the bhakti, is called devotion. So is sannyasa a devotee or not? You may not see him performing the conventional acts of devotion, of offering the worship or singing the names and and these things that we conventionally associate with devotion, you may not find in the sannyasi. Or in the one who is committed to pursuit of knowledge, but does he have devotion or not? He has devotion. Svasvarupanusandhanam All the time dwelling upon, all the time focusing his mind upon contemplation upon his own self. Because there is a commitment. What is his commitment? To gain the knowledge, to own up this fact that I am Brahman. And he knows that to own up the fact, all he needs to do is to remove the obstacles to that fact. What do you mean? I am already Brahman Swamiji. Where is the question of owning up that fact? Yes, I am Brahman is a fact, all right. And somehow I do not have the benefit of that fact because somehow that fact is covered by certain obstacles and I need to remove those obstacles. And so this whole process of Sharvanam or even Karma Yoga and then Sharvanam, Mananam, Nidhyasana, all of this is the process of removal of obstacles. And what's the final obstacle? The habitual error. Habitual identification in the body-mind complex. And therefore, all the time, fixing my mind in appreciation of this fact that I am Brahman, I am Brahman, I am Brahman, which is every fact of me. And therefore, at any level, even at karma, at, at level of karma yoga also, when I am performing action, you know, performing my duty, I ask myself, what's the purpose of doing this action? What's the purpose of performing this duty? Knowledge. Whatever I do, I do for the sake of knowledge. Whatever I don't do, I don't do if it is not required. You know, for example, simple example. When the destination is clear to us, when you are driving from your home to this Gurukulam, the destination is clear. That this is what I am, I'm, I'm devoted to reaching Gurukulam. If I am not devoted, then what happens, you know, while driving you see a pizza hut, all right, you know. Then you see some something else. If people are not devoted, like children going to school, you know, they leave home. And the school is about 15-20 minutes away. But the fellow takes three hours sometimes in reaching there, because he saw, he saw something there and went that side and started playing with some other children this side. You know, sometimes it happens with children, because he is not devoted to going to school. He doesn't care to go to school, in which case, he can likely be distracted. But when the destination is clear, and I am devoted to my destination, then when I leave home in my, and when I am driving my car, I am very clear. Which turn to make? Right, left, straight. Which one leads to Gurukulam? This one. That's what I take. Which road do I take? That will leads to Gurukulam. Which exit do I take? Which Anything that I do. And thus, in my mind, the idea of Gurukulam, Gurukulam, Gurukulam is all the time, 
or, or there, even though I may be talking to somebody in my, while driving, even though I may be listening to tape, something I may be doing. And even then, one part of my mind is devoted to maintaining this thought that I am going to go to If that is not maintained, you could not have made the right decision that you did. And so when I am devoted to reaching the Gurukulam, then whatever I do, all becomes very clear. And therefore this starts, this bhakti starts from the stage of karma yoga itself. Who can become a karma yogi ideally? Who can give up the attachment and aversion? Why should I give up my attachments and aversion? Why should I give up my demands anyway? Why should I give up my expectations? Binding desire, this desire, why should I give them up? Only when it is very clear in my mind that my life should become a process of accomplishment of what is already accomplished. Meaning that Brahman already I am and that I don't have to become Brahman, I don't have to achieve Brahman, that I have to just recognize and own up this fact that I am Brahman, that I am limitless, that I am what I am seeking to be. If when that is clear then, that means that I don't need anything because I am already what I want to be. What I need to do is to just remove whatever it is that obstructs that fact, that reality about myself. And that's how every action becomes a process of giving up the obstacle rather than acquiring something which I don't have. At the most you need to acquire something that requires sustaining your body, nothing more than that. And that's how vairagya. There is no question of raga and dvesha. That is how a karma yogi, with this clarity when he performs action, then action becomes a means of knowledge, indirectly. <coughs> and then when he drops his duty and becomes a sannyasi, then also it's only for one purpose. What's the purpose? So that I gain the knowledge. Otherwise he'll become like this fellow, you know, once some, somebody comes to me and Swamiji, I want to, I want to study Vedanta. Okay, good. What have you studied? Well, I am a Vedanta Acharya. Already? So Acharya means what? The highest degree in Vedanta. From Banaras. So you already are. What, what do you want to study? That's what we teach here. No, no, but Swami, I want to study in English. Then Banaras I studied in Hindi. I want to study in English. For what? So that I can go to Canada and give lectures. So when you take sannyas also for what purpose? You study Vedanta. What is the purpose of doing what you are doing? And therefore even any, even Vedantic study also can become means of some other end if the clarity is not there. And therefore devotion, devotion means what? One goal, one track mind. That is called the samadhanam, chitta ekagrara, that my mind is all the time focused on this fact. That is called Vedantic devotion and that is there all the time. And ultimately that devotion culminates, I mean, the final stage of devotion is what you call Nididhyasnam. That I apply my mind, focus my mind upon, dwelling upon the true nature of myself, so that I become free from the habitual error of taking this body to be myself. So understand that the devotion always flows through all the stages, from Karma Yoga to Shravanam to Mananam to Nididhyasnam, and culminates into ultimately knowledge that I am Brahman and abidance in that knowledge. Then the devotion has done its job. When you leave your home, 
you are devoted to reaching Gurukulam. And you do all kinds of things. Maybe you have to go to gas station to get gasoline also. Perhaps you have to replace a tire also. You may have to do many things perhaps, you know, by the, in the process of coming here. Maybe before even starting your journey, you have to get your car tuned up. So you may have to do lots of things. All of that is done for what? So that I can reach Gurukram. And so it may not even involve driving all the time, it may involve some other things, other kind of planning. All of this is done with one purpose in mind, the destination. This is called devotion. Swaswarupana Sandhanam, they are always keeping the Anusandhanam. Swaswarupana, one's own nature, always kept in the, in, the, in the focus. And whatever is done, is done for that purpose. And we know very well that when we are devoted to something, we always do that. Whatever it is that you are devoted to, whatever it is that you want to do. Suppose you are planning for a trip to, I don't know, South Africa, let us say. That's it. I, I, some of these youngsters were planning a trip to Puerto Rico. For one month they were planning, you know. All kinds of websites they will, uh, they will surf through websites and see what kind of deals are available, what kind of tickets are available, what hotels are available, what other packages are available, what is all. That's all. All the time thinking about this, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. And going there, what shall we do? And everything is clear. What else is devotion? Except that there is not called devotion because the object to which they are devoted is something mundane. That we don't call it devotion. But basically that is devotion. When that object becomes God or the self, then we call it real devotion. Understand everybody is devoted. Everybody is a devotee. All we need to do is focus all, direct all our devotion to, to this ultimate goal in life. Then you become a devotee in the true sense. Bhaktiyamam abhijanati. By this devotion, which enables him to perform his action in the spirit of karma yoga, which enables him to ultimately drop the sense of duty when necessary, which enables him to take up to a life of a contemplative life, Whenever, which enables him to go to the teacher. It's not easy to do that. To give one thing, you know, so to give all the security and the support that you have in the family's setup, to give it up and go to another place is not easy at all. That enables him to do. To serve his teacher, to study from him, to live a life of austerity, do whatever is required, he does it. Now when can one exert like this? This is not easy. When can one do that? When the value of this is very clear. Tattva jnana darshanam, adhyatma jnana nityatvam, tattva jnana darshanam. All the time seeing in my mind the end result that comes as a result of the self-knowledge. Bhakti amam abhijanati, Lord Krishna says, by this devotion he knows me. How does he know you? Yavan yaschasmi tattvataha. Yavan, how much I am? Yavan, how much I am? How wide I am? How spread I am? What is my manifestation? Yavan means how much? Let's show the dimension. That means that God has these two aspects. One is with dimension, one is without the dimension. Yavan and yas, yaha. The two words are there. Yavan, how much I am? Yes, and what I am? Lord says that primarily I am the one that is beyond all the uh, all the differences. 
At the same time, I am the one in all the different also. So, Sopadikam, Nirupadikam. This my devotee knows that this whole universe that is spread in front of me is nothing but the manifestation of love. And this is the theme that Lord Krishna has, uh, you know, has, has discussed again and again and again. Particularly in chapters 7 through 12, this theme has been discussed. To the extent in the 11th chapter, in fact, Lord Krishna showed himself with the whole universe, with the self of the whole universe. So that also one knows. When I say, when I know that I am Brahman, automatically it means that I know that everything is Brahman. It is not that I am Brahman and everything else is Mithya, everything else is something else. No. That Brahman includes everything. And that means it's all-inclusive knowledge. I am Brahman. Everything is Brahman. And this whole universe is nothing but the manifestation of the divinity. Thus this person sees the same Lord everywhere. Manifestation, asti, bhati, priyam. Same order, same harmony, same beauty as an essential thing in everything. The incidental personality is different. But every personality is the manifestation of that essential thing, which is what we call Brahman. Call it God, call it order, call it harmony, call it love, call it goodness, call it what you mean. That essentially this is what everything is. Yes, chasm tattvataha. And also, in the ultimate reality, God is the one that transcends it all. So as Lord as immanent as well as transcendent. What is immanent? Immanent is the one that pervades, manifests all the names and forms. What is transcendent? The one who is my own self. Don't think transcendent means somewhere else. No, transcendent means what? What is meant by Nirupadikam? What is meant by the Lord that is beyond all the names and forms? That is myself. Because only one thing in the creation which is without names and forms, and that is I. Because every name and form is, is, is objectified by me. So every name and form and quality is something that I know, and therefore the knower is the one who is free from every name, form and quality. And therefore we get nervous when you talk of transcendental reality, but that means I. That's all. So knowing transcendental reality means knowing Brahman is my own self. Knowing immanent reality, which is knowing everything is God. And knowing transcendental reality meaning knowing that God is my own self. <coughs> Tattvataha, as I am, Lord Krishna says, as I am, the non-dual, as I am. Uttama Purushaha, Akashakalpaha, like space. I am all-inclusive, all-accommodative, all-pervasive. Chaitanyam, I am nothing but pure consciousness. Ekarasam, homogeneous consciousness. It is not that there is spirit and matter. There are no two things. Although in the beginning we make a division, person and personality, spirit and matter, self and non-self, it is to begin with. Ekarasam, to recognize that what is thought to be matter is also nothing but the same consciousness. As a scientist may say that, matter is the waves of energy. The Vedantin will say that the matter is the waves of consciousness. And therefore, the subject also is consciousness, object also is consciousness. Ekarasam, homogeneous consciousness, fullness, that's all there is. Puram eva, What remains in the eyes of this wise person is Puram, wholeness. Ekarasam, Ajaram, Amaram, Abhayam, 
So one who is free from death, decapitated, death, fear, that is how he knows the self. Tato maam tattva vishate tadanandaram. And then what? Having known the Lord in reality as one's own self, the Lord Krishna says tataha thereafter. Maam tattva having known me in reality what I am, tadanandaram thereafter vishate he enters into me. So three steps are told. Bhakti the devotion, jnanam the knowledge, and finally entering into me. What is the business of entering? Entering into the Lord. There are many stories in India where the devotees are said to enter the Lord. Even the famous saint Mirabai also has entered the Lord. She went to Dwarika and then merged into the Lord. So it is said here that thereafter he enters into me. This entry also is like the wave entering into what? Into water. Suppose wave entering into water. Wave entering the ocean is all right. The river entering the ocean is one thing. But then river, what is ocean ultimately? Ocean is nothing but water. And what is river also? Nothing. What is the essential aspect of the river? It has a name, it has a form, it has all kinds of things, all right, but then ultimately what is, that's the incidental. What is the essential aspect, the essential nature of the river? It's water. And so also the essential nature of ocean also is water. So when we say that the river has entered the water, either physically the river may enter the water, or river can get enlightened and recognize the fact that I am water, in which case journey also is not necessary. Well, that is called entering. <clears throat> Vedanta Vidyana Surishchidata Nakaramana Prajayadhayana Tyagayaneke Amutatumana Shuhu Parayanakam Nihitam Guhayam Vibhrajadayat Yatayo Vishanti Where these sages enter. Enter means they recognize it as their own self. So entry here is not one entering into other, but one like the wave recognizing itself as the water. And you can say the wave has entered the water. We have recognized that I am the water. This is also very beautifully described in the Upanishad. The rivers entering the ocean. Yatha nadhyaha sindhamanaha samudra astam gachandri nam rupe vihaya. Just as the rivers flowing rivers, they, nam rupe, they drop their name and form and they disappear into the ocean. River disappears into the ocean. River gets completely lost in the ocean, not really. What disappears is only name and form that separate the river from the ocean. So what separated the river from the ocean is his name and form, and that is dropped. The river lets go of that. Samudrahityevam prochade, and from then on, the river comes to be called the ocean. That is called entry. That is a recognition. And so, entry here is recognizing one's true nature. Tatovam, tatovmiratva, vishate, tadanantaram. Having known me in reality what I am, he enters into me, meaning that he abides into me. There is no distance between him and me. There is no distance to begin with. It is ignorance that created the distance. So this distance between Brahman and Jiva is what kind of a distance? Not in space, not in time. What is the distance between the actor and the beggar? Not in space or not in time. In case the actor has forgotten what he is, he takes himself to the beggar, 
Then what's the distance? Distance is of ignorance. And therefore, that distance can go only by knowledge. So, Vishate Tadanantaram, he enters into me. He merges into me, meaning that he discovers a total identity with me. There is no unconditional identity. The Vedantins, Advaita Vedantins talk of unconditional identity between the individual and God, not conditional. When conditional identity is called Vishishta Advaita, a non-duality which is conditional non-duality. What is non-duality obtained between a finger and the body? You know, the finger also is body, but not the whole body. So, the identity obtaining between the part and the whole, it is a conditional identity, so called Vishishta Advaita. Now, of course, there are others who say the finger is different from the body. That is called Dvaita. What the Vedantins say that? That Jiva and Brahma are one, unconditionally one. Not that I am a part, not that I am close, I am that. That is called entering, Vishate, Tadantaram. And thus, this is the culmination of this process of seeking. So Lord Krishna said, Brahma Bhuyaya Kalpade, he becomes fit to become Brahman. And that becoming Brahman alone, it is called here entering into Brahman, meaning recognizing Brahman and abiding Brahman into which is my own self. <coughs> okay. Om Puramada Puramidam Purat Puramudachade Purasya Puramadaya Purameva Vashishade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Vrapunah Ishvaro Gurvatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Yonam